electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, and I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. On today's episode... Tonight, for the first time in our history, we will strike all three of the big three at once. The United Auto Workers Union is now on strike against all big three automakers. Our own autos reporter Phil LeBeau is on the ground in Michigan. There is support for these workers out here, not just from the locals who are driving by, but you can tell from the suppliers, from the people who are driving those trucks, bringing things in and out of the plant. A conversation with GM CEO Mary Barra on the union's demands and why negotiations have stalled. I'm extremely frustrated and disappointed. We don't need to be on strike right now. Plus, the secret to happiness. Happiness professor Arthur Brooks has authored a new book on building the life you want with Oprah Winfrey. My students say, look, I can manage money. I can manage a company, but I can't manage my feelings. And the reason is because we don't understand the way our emotions work. How you can live a happier life and why we're so preoccupied with unhappiness in the first place. He finally actually found the secret of happiness by by not looking at himself anymore. That's the secret is look out at the world in a sense of awe. It's Friday, September 15th, 2023, and Squawk Pod begins right now. First up today, the summer of strikes is threatening to move into the fall. As the clock hit midnight earlier today, thousands of United Auto Worker members went on strike at three key plants. The strike is happening after Detroit automakers failed to reach deals with the union by their Thursday night deadline. The head of the UAW, or United Auto Workers Union, Sean Fain, went on Facebook Live last night, just hours before the strike started. This is our generation's defining moment. The money is there, the cause is righteous, the world is watching, and the UAW is ready to stand up. This is our defining moment. The big three facilities being impacted are GM's mid-size truck and full-size van plant in Wentzville, Missouri, Ford's Ranger mid-size pickup and Bronco SUV plant in Wayne, Michigan, and Stellantis's Jeep plant in Toledo, Ohio. This is the first time in history workers at all three Detroit automakers have left the assembly line for the picket line simultaneously. Our own Phil LeBeau was on the scene in Michigan, and he spoke to Squawk Box anchors Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin early this morning. That's where we're going to start. It'll be interesting to see how long this strike goes. Uh, Is this one that maybe a week or two weeks, relatively short? Or are we looking at something that could be extended out over seven, eight, nine weeks? 
That remains to be seen. The longer it goes, the more painful it's going to be, not only for the automakers, but also for the economy. We've talked about that extent. Let me give you a little bit of a backdrop in terms of the strikes that have been called by the UAW. First time ever we are seeing strikes at all three of the Detroit automakers, Ford, GM, and Stellantis, uh, one plant here in Michigan, one in Ohio, one in Missouri. Those three facilities employ about 2,700 workers who are now walking the picket line instead of working on the assembly line. And we've heard from them all night long about how long they're prepared to stay off the job. Everything, my, my livelihood, my family's well-being, everything's on the line for me. I was raised in the UAW. We deserve our, our, our raise. We deserve our um I think everybody out here does. We come to work every day, we work hard, we make sure quality is right. People have been underpaid for a while. Benefits have been crazy, so this is definitely something that's going to help everyone. And let me clarify that. 12,700 workers at the three plants that are now on strike uh, for the UAW. All right, so what happens next? There will be no negotiations today. Sean Fain, president of the UAW, has said for some time they're not going to have negotiations today, but they will be holding a rally in downtown Detroit. Most final assembly continues for Ford, GM, and Stellantis. The question now, when will we see more strikes? Because the UAW has said this strike is going to be different. If they do not believe that there is progress being made, then they will call for more plants to be shut down. And will they be final assembly plants, or will there be other targeted uh, uh, strikes at plants that build engines and transmissions, which is how they've done it in the past. But clearly, they're not doing it that way uh, this year. And again, there is a rally in downtown Detroit. I can tell you that I've heard from a number of executives. They are frustrated with how this has just come together or not come together with the UAW. They've got the element of surprise. You don't know where they're going to strike next. They'll keep management. In, sure. in, I think that's their idea to, to keep them unsettled. Over the last decade or so, Phil, it's become popular to talk about, um, you know, big business, the billions of dollars, the, the CEO compensation. And when you hear that Ford made 20 or 25 billion dollars or, or take your pick of, of the big three. Right. That narrative uh, resonates with a lot of people. And, and I, I, we can we draw any parallel to how long the Hollywood strikes have lasted to to the staying power of the auto workers in, in this case, Phil, they might they may dig their heels in. Well, they may dig their heels in. Joe, look, this is the time that the UAW believes it has maximum leverage on a number of fronts. Generally speaking, even though these, these workers believe that they are not getting their full pay of what they should get, you know, in a new contract, but generally speaking, people are in a far better financial position now than they were in previous strikes. In previous strikes, people going off the job were like, I'm not crazy about this. I believe in the union, but I'm not crazy about it from my personal financial standpoint. That doesn't mean these guys are rolling in cash, but people are in a little bit better financial position going into this strike. Does that mean it lasts a little bit longer? Remains to be seen. We know the UAW believes it has leverage, and it believes that it can push this much further than what we've seen perhaps in the past when it came to strikes with the big three. Well, Phil, that's part of the strategy, too, right? By doing just targeted plants where you've only got about 9% of the yep. UAW membership out, the strike fund will last longer, yep. too, meaning they can keep this up. If they, if they hit a plant Correct. that produces engines or something that shuts down production at other plants, what will the automakers do in response? Will they continue to pay those workers even though they're not able to do any work? No. No, and, and that's part of the strategy here. Look, other plants are still going. 
and they're still building vehicles. If they were to hit an engine and transmission plant, well, then you wouldn't see final assembly continue at many plants. And as a result, the automaker, whichever one is hit, would be able to say, you know what, you're laid off. And then you go into the state unemployment rules. That's not the case this time around. These people out here, they're going to get 500 bucks a week from the UAW and also some assistance with their health insurance. But otherwise, other workers continue to work not under the old contract, but their pay remains the same uh, as these negotiations continue. Hey, Phil, as they move around, I mean, I guess the question is, how much movement or moving around of this strike do you imagine there's going to be? And ultimately, does that prove to be more disruptive and more threatening to the business, if you will, or to, the, to, to these automakers than if there was just an outright strike across the board? Far more uh, challenging for the automakers because, the, A, they don't know where the next strike may take place, and B, you know, if, it's, if they are completely shut down, if you're an automaker, yes, it's going to be damaging to the bottom line. It's going to cost you billions of dollars. But you can say, okay, what? We're going to lay off these workers. We're going to do the negotiations. And at some point, we'll fire back up. This way, if the UAW, I said it earlier today, it's almost death by a thousand cuts. You don't know where they're going to hit next. You don't know what production you're going to have to shut down all of a sudden. Makes it much trickier and much more challenging for the automakers to deal with. So the... The big three are already behind in, in EVs. We know that, and uh, yep. it's not—it's not going well. Uh, Ford, you know, we, we heard about Ford's uh, projected yeah. lo- projected losses. Now I, I've seen Jim Farley say this is going to push it out into sometime in 2024. Uh, if it was—if they weren't striking, would they be catching up? Or, or I, I just don't see any path to to, to near-term success for the big three in EVs, and this certainly doesn't help. No, this doesn't help at all. Um, And in terms of the path to success for uh, the big three when it comes to electric vehicles, it's taken far too long and it keeps getting extended out. And ultimately, guys, yes, this is weighing on shares of Ford GM and Stellantis right now because of the implications of this strike. But you know one reason why I don't think these stocks are moving at all? Because people are looking for when are they going to do something with EVs. And by do something, I'm talking about get market share, come up with a model that is a hot seller, get momentum. That's what they lack when it comes to electric vehicles. And there's a lot of questions about when we will finally see it. Because for a long time, remember, it was wait to 2023. Well, 2023 is here right now. And now they're saying wait to 2024. There are a lot of people who are saying not sure it's going to be there. Do you speak the language of the horn? Because I can tell you that those horns that are beeping, it's not Hey, you guys, get back to work. That's, I'm with you. Oh, no. You guys, I am with you. Hang in there. You're, you're, this is a just cause. That's what, the, that's what those horns are saying to me. And, and Joe, this, the, the, the people who are on strike here, about 3,300, this is where they make the Bronco and the Ranger. This entire plant is not completely shut down. Stamping production continues on the other side. Final assembly is shut down, but stamping production continues. And so we're seeing trucks that are coming back and forth that are obviously going to be ultimately doing some work in here. Those trucks, which are their suppliers to Ford, nonstop honking. There is support for these workers out here, not just from the locals who are driving by, but you can tell from the suppliers, from the people who are driving those trucks, bringing things in and out of the plant. They should be careful because it is possible to break a horn. You know from experience. I've done it. A, I've done it a couple times. I have. You know. I have had to have a horn re- replaced. A cup. Prefer the horn to the brake. 
Yes, that's a better thing to break. Prefer to the have break when you're no, driving. No, I use the horn more. Oh, than, I was going to say I'd prefer the, the, break. the horn breaking than the. So we look forward to what's coming up. Uh, thank you. Phil LeBeau joins us now with the CEO of GM, Mary Barra. Hey, Phil. Hey, Joe. Mary, thank you for joining us. Mary Barra, Chair and CEO of General Motors. Strike was called at midnight. What's your reaction initially? And I know you knew this was coming, but what's your reaction? Well, you know, Phil, our team has been working since July 18th uh, to bargain in good faith. We've had over a thousand demands. Um, I'm extremely frustrated and disappointed. We don't need to be on strike right now. You know, we put a historic offer on the table that not only has very significant uh, gross wage increases, you know, total through the contract, over 20 percent that compounded is 21 percent. But we also have uh, job security. We maintain world-class health care. There's so many aspects of this uh, of the offer we have on the table that I think uh, really is going to resonate with our employees. So we didn't need to be here. You said frustrated. I sense there's a disconnect between the automakers and their negotiations with the UAW that we haven't seen in the past. There's always contentious discussions during these things, and sometimes there's a strike. But there's something seems to be different this time around. What's changed here? Well, you know, every negotiation takes on, um, you know, uh, the, the personality of the leader um, uh, who's running, you know, from a UAW perspective, as well as what the situational issues are of the time. But, you know, I think the key in any of this is to get to the table, talk through the issues. And that's what we've been working to do since since this began. You know, and again, I, I, we had over a thousand uh, demands. You've got to work through each one of those. That's part of the process. So we've been working very hard. We've been working to problem solve. And we're going to continue to do that. We're there now and ready to keep going. You've made four offers. How many offers do you think it's going to take? And at 20 percent, how much higher can you go? Well, I, I think we have a very generous offer on the table right now. It's historic. From a wage increase perspective, it's the most significant offer we've had on the table in our 115-year history. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to bargain in the press, but, uh, you know, we need to get there fast because uh, this is not good for our employees. It's not good for the communities, their families. And for every GM job, there's six other jobs in the economy that depend on, uh, depend on us running. So we got to get back to work. If they start striking at other GM facilities, how much will it hurt the bottom line? How quickly will it hit the bottom line? Well, we're in the business of, of making cars, trucks, and crossovers. So it can, uh, depending on the length in which plants, it can have uh, an immediate effect. You know, but we've been through this before. We've been through COVID. We've been through the semiconductor. We've got an incredible team who's been preparing. We're ready. We're going to do what's right. Uh, but this is, this is not going to be positive uh, from an industry perspective or for all, GM. All of your plants, to a certain extent, are, are interconnected. Even though these are final assembly, Wentzville, what happens in Wentzville doesn't happen in a silo. And so the question becomes, if other plants are hit, and I'm talking separate from an engine and transmission that feeds all the plants, um, is there a ripple-on effect in terms of it adds to the complexity of managing the situation? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, because, you know, a lot of our um, assembly plants also have contiguous stamping plants that may serve other, uh, other plants. So, you know, we've worked to have a very efficient uh, manufacturing network. So, yes, even one plant is going to start to have impact. Any, ch any chance we see a change in production? Separate, I mean, obviously, Wentzville is not in production right now. But any sense that production, while it continues at the other plants, does it change? You know, we'll evaluate that. The team has already been looking at that, and we'll continue to do that and be very responsive. Our team knows how to manage this. Um, four years ago, you went through this. But as I mentioned earlier, this does seem a little bit different. What's your sense in terms of how long this will go? Obviously, you'd love to resolve it tomorrow, but 
you've done this before. You know the rhythm and the cadence. What's mm -hmm. your sense in terms of how long the strike may go? I think the strike can get resolved very quickly. Again, we have a historic offer on the table. And, you know, from a job security perspective, we're uh, unique in that we have work and products for every single one of our facilities. About uh, more than two years ago, as we started to really plan the EV transformation, we made sure we had work for everyone. It's one of the reasons we designed in-house power units, because, and we've already started to allocate power units to our internal combustion engine plants. So this is something we've been working on for a long time uh, to make sure we can bring everyone along. I think our, uh, the, our GMT members who are represented have told me time and time again, job security is very important to them. How you get job security is making sure you have beautifully designed car, trucks, and crossovers that people want to buy, and we have those right now. All of our vehicles are in strong demand, both our, our ICE portfolio and our EV portfolio. So we got to get back to work so we don't lose ground. I know you've been in touch with the White House. They're, they're taking an active interest in what's happening here. Um, what do you say to them, and what do they say to you about this situation? Well, I, I've been very clear, and I've talk, talked to many members of the administration as well as um, members of Congress. And, you know, we're at the pro table. We're problem solving. We want to get this done. This will not be good for the economy uh, overall and, and, uh, and, again, for all the communities that are uh, impacted you know, from a, when a plant is in their city. Mary Barra, chair and CEO of General Motors. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, what will make those auto workers and the rest of us happy? Happiness expert and author Arthur Brooks on cracking the code to a better life. The reason that I'm actually working right now to try to create a happiness movement in this country is not because you need better whiz-bang ideas about public policy, but because you need people to, be, to realize that happiness is under their control in their lives and they need to demand it in the people who represent them. We'll be right back. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. Stand by Joe, his mic, Q. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan along with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin, GM CEO Mary Barra talking to us just moments uh, ago about the UAW strike against the big three automakers. Uh, the union at this point targeting three plants, impacting nearly 13,000 workers and no negotiations are expected today. Um, I'm going to segue into Arthur Brooks, I guess somehow, I don't know why, what that has to do with, but join us on set to talk about, oh, you're going to talk about the leadership on both sides of this labor dispute. You're, you're here to talk about happiness. Arthur Brooks here to talk about happiness. Arthur Joe. Brooks is uh, President Emeritus at the American Enterprise Institute and Professor 
at Harvard University has a new book, Build the Life You Want, The Art and Science of Getting Happier. And it's not like Will Smith, H-A-P-P-Y. This is, you spell it correctly, with an I. Okay. Co-authored with Oprah Winfrey. What I want to talk about, I, I guess, is whether after all these years, has your notion of what makes for a happy life changed? Isn't it about earned success? And to bring it back to GM and Ford and the UAW, isn't that what these workers are trying to do? Be, be earn their own success to fit in with this world in the best way they can? That's what everybody wants. The, I mean, look, is that still what happiness is to you? Or have you well, changed it? No, not at all. But what we want is to be happier as people. And that's a, that means progress throughout our, throughout our lives. We want to make moral progress. We want to have better relationships. We want to create value with our lives and with our work. These are the things that we want. And, you know, we talk about the science in this book, but a lot of it comes down to common sense. When you see something like what's going on with the with the UAW strike, I mean, it's perfectly easy to understand. I mean, these workers are looking at, their next door neighbor got a raise last year because they don't work under collective bargaining agreements. They can't and they can't afford groceries, afford groceries so of course they, you know, they're, they're doing the natural thing and this is what we're gonna see well, until harder, we have actual decent policy that gets inflation under control, frankly. Um, the other question that, that I was gonna ask you was, can we get happier with the proliferation of social media in, yeah. the, in the way it is right now? Has that helped? For my son, it, it has definitely helped. He, right. I don't know what he would have done right. if, the, if you didn't have this to do right. all the time. And it, you can enrich, you can find out everything. You have a, an Encyclopedia Britannica on your phone, yeah. basically, and, it, and everything. But is it, bottom line, is it making us happier or less happy? For most of us, no. That's the answer for both. And we talk about this a lot in the book because we're looking at the brain science, the neuroscience and social science of happiness. And putting, it's basically, this book is a, an owner's manual for your emotions. And, and the interesting thing, the reason we wrote it is I teach this class at the Harvard Business School on happiness. And my students say, look, I can manage money. I can manage a company, but I can't manage my feelings. And the reason is because we don't understand the way our emotions work. And until we can treat our emotions with the same seriousness that people do in their business lives, look, every good CEO is watching us today, and a lot of them feel very much in control of their companies and very much not in control of their own emotions. And that's actually what we're trying to turn around. Same kind of business. It's the tribalism. I mean, we can't get away from the political and cultural tribalism that it, I guess that's exacerbated by, by social media. Absolutely. Right? Look, this but, is a but the players involved aren't helping. I mean, we had, you know, we know how Donald Trump liked, I don't know, what didn't they, I don't know, there were media organizations that calculated 14,200 lies or something. Look, Joe Biden is no slouch in the, in the uh, at least distorting, or maybe he doesn't even know a, a lot of the, but, but our, we, our politicians are making things worse. Yeah, well, right we have now. a culture right now of polarization, largely because we're rewarding what psychologists call dark triad personalities. You what? Know what that Say is? that again. Dark triad personalities. So dark triad personalities right. are people who combine narcissism, Machiavellianism, and traits of psychopathy. Yeah. So narcissism is, it's all about me. Machiavellianism is, I'm willing to hurt you. Do anything to get and, you And, and tra Psychopath. traits of psychopathy means basically I have no empathy and no conscience. And we're right. rewarding people like this. Look, you get what you pay for. And when we basically, we fire up a lot of elements in the media and on all of the elements of the political structure all around us, and we reward bullies and people who actually don't have any conscience, guess, guess what we're going to get. This is all making me unhappy. Well, you know what? We can actually turn this around. The reason that I'm actually working right now to try to create a happiness movement in this country 
is not because you need better whiz-bang ideas about public policy, but because you need people to, be, to realize that happiness is under their control in their lives, and they need to demand but it in the I, people who represent them. So we talked about this a little bit, I saw him earlier this week, and this idea that everybody increasingly, especially in a social media world, craves external validation. Right. Right? People talk about, could you, be, could you get validation from yourself, or do you actually need validation from everybody? Got a every, lot of likes on our discussion yesterday. From everybody else. Do, yeah. you, need it? do you need that I validation right. from everybody else? Right. And you talked about friends and family, and that being a huge component of actually your own happiness. Yeah. Is there anything, is, is there even a thing called internal validation, or is all validation ultimately external and if that's true what does that mean well the truth because is that, that goes to all of these things you're yeah, talking about yeah, yeah. the problem that we have you talked about social media our world is full of mirrors at this point and if you can actually get away from it one of the things that we recommend in the book and I recommend to my students at Harvard is that they go through days at least hours without the mirrors in their lives so they can observe the outside world. If you want to be happier, you got to be in what psychologists call the I-self, looking out at the world without so much judgment of yourself. The problem is notifications on your phone are a mirror. It's interesting, you know, I was talking to a guy when I was preparing this book, when I was writing this book. He was a fitness influencer fitness influencer. It's like he has a shirt off on Instagram. I, I do that. Oh, yeah, I know you do. I know that's like, it's like, you go under an assumed name. I know what's going on. Right. I'm, and, I'm what you don't want to do. Yeah. And, and he, he said that he was so, he didn't eat anything he wanted for 10 years. He was completely miserable. That's so here's awful. what he decided to do. He took every mirror out of his house and showered in the dark for a year so he couldn't see his own abs. And he finally got happy. He finally actually found the secret of happiness by, by not looking at himself anymore. That's the secret, is look out at the world in a sense of awe. It's also where you point out in the book that we are trained to really, you know, all the way back to caveman times, we are trained to look at negativity, that that yeah. has been a survival technique. Right. I think it still is to a certain extent in some pretty mean industries. Yeah. But being grateful can take you out of that and working really hard on that. You have a yeah. really good actual, I, I've been working hard on trying to be more grateful with things, yeah. but you have a good exercise for how people Yeah, we have that. a gratitude list exercise that we put in the book that's based on a lot of psychological research. And the research is not that important because actually the, just the habits work on this. You're right, we have a negativity bias. We go through life saying this is bad, this is bad. Not because we're negative people, but because in the Pleistocene era, if you didn't pay attention to the negative, something really bad would happen to you. So we have literally more brain space dedicated to negative than positive events, but that's maladapted. I mean, look at us. Look at the people, the people watching us. We're so, we live in the greatest country, most charitable, upwardly mobile place in the history of the world. And we're like, ugh, look at the news. It's so, uh. I know, so, but a lot of people watching us work in industries where you are going to get knifed in the back by a no, no, I get it. But there's, <laughs> their lives, for the most part, are so much better than they are bad. And so your point is this, and what we talk about in the book is literally write down, bring to your prefrontal cortex the things for which you're grateful. That's emotional substitution. When you feel resentment, choose gratitude, and it actually works. And we have an exercise where you write down the five things you're most grateful for on Sundays, review the list, update the list every week. After 10 weeks, you'll be 25% happier. It actually works. How are you doing on your own happiness? It's, it, well, I'm on book tour right now. So, you know, it's, it's, it, I, happiness is also related to sleep, and so that's not so, going so great. Yeah, but, but you seem like is, you're happy in I'm general. a very lucky guy. Yeah. What's that? You've been happy for years. Yeah, for well, as long I've gotten I've happier and happier the more I've studied happiness. The secret to happiness is actually teaching it. Um, and, you know, I, I dedicated my career as a social scientist to the study of happiness because I wanted to get happier. I wasn't happy enough. You know, it's, I, I've, I've gotten 60% 
happier. How do you know you've gotten 60% happier? I tested, because we actually have validated tests. And you know, the book website actually right. has tests that people can no, take I know you can do of it. their own moods. And, and, and I have to take them every semester because I'm teaching this at the university. And I, I, I look at my own progress. 60% happier. This, it's from amazing. when to when? What did you, and what were the... From 2019, when I stepped down from the American Enterprise okay. Institute until now. So was AI, was AI making you unhappy? I, I, I would say that I wasn't working as assiduously as I should have on my own happiness, like a lot of chief executives who are watching us today are not and could be. You know, I'm very happy, but, but then I think about people that aren't happy. It's, uh, it's neurotransmitter mediated, and many times it has nothing to do with what you can control. And you know that. And well, you it, can it, manage your neurotransmitters in a big way, and the best way, getting back to what we are talking about exercises. before, is, number one is, ex well, it's responsible use of social media. One of the biggest oh, things that, that people I can't do wrong do that. is they hit the social media again and again and again. This is your, it's basically we're like methamphetamine addicts because it's actually working on the same brain circuits. How do lonely people, see, I'm not lonely. Right. And if I was, and, and God knows, you, you could COVID? be at any time. No, never there are times, and I, I hate to admit it, but there are times where our, the, the family unit was so cohesive that we actually think back on those days and think those were, with, with, those were yeah, pretty good days. Yeah, sentimentality about it, right? Loneliness is horrible and it's an epidemic in this country and it's gotten much worse since remote work became more prominent. Remote work is extremely convenient. 7% of the population is much happier with remote work because they're mostly introverted, but for the rest of us, it's terrible. No, I get it. It's very convenient. It's good to have the option, et cetera, et cetera. But this whole remote work thing with the efficiency is gonna have, it's really gonna be, a, it's a mental health snowball, you know, avalanche coming toward us, and we don't quite see the problems yet that we're gonna be seeing in a couple of years. I think we're all pretty happy. And, and I think we need to be happy and grateful about being happy. Yeah, for, well, so for sure, you know, and this is one of the things. Because I never, I never understand, you know, depression is easy to, it's like you have everything going from you. Why are you, because it's, it, there's nothing you can do. It needs to be chemically mediated for, for people that have that horrible affliction, right? Well, you, you need, too. it can be drugs, it can be therapy, but, but it's out of your control. Yeah. So no matter what you do, some people, are going to have Arthur, you got happier when you left your CEO position right. at AEI. Right. Can you do a top position like that, a CEO position, and still be happy? You have to be unbelievably self-aware of what you're doing. So I work a lot now. I mean, my last book was called From Strength to Strength, which is about how you know strivers, they tend to beat themselves up and do all kinds of negative things in their own lives, mostly because they self-objectify, because they have a success addiction. Workaholism is downstream from success addiction. When you see yourself as a cardboard cutout, we go much farther than that in this book about actually how to not objectify yourself anymore and see yourself as a full human being. Here's the big problem for a lot of people who watch the best show on TV, which is Squawk Box. Here's God the bless you. Save that tape. No, I'm really say, happy. Say it loud and proud. There you go. You There's went on a lot of shows this week, and, he, and you can say it with authority. Show. He I mean, said that on I every show. On, this is the show I have done the most <laughs> you have, in the yeah. past 15 years, yeah. consistently, because I love it. It's great. And here's the big problem with a lot of people watch this show. Because after I do this show, I always get tons of email from strivers, from CEOs, from top leaders. Here's the biggest problem that they have, and I've seen it again and again in my research. I was interviewing a woman who runs a big financial firm, lots of money, super successful. She says, I'm not happy. People talk to me like I'm a psychiatrist. I say, why are you not happy? She said, well, you know, it's like my husband and I were roommates. You know, we're, I'm, and my adult kids, she's my age, late 50s. We're cordial, you know? It, my health isn't as good as it used to be. My decision-making isn't as crisp. I'm burned out, and all I do is work. 
what do I do, professor? And I'm like, you don't need a Harvard professor to tell you what to do. You know, go away with your husband. Get to know your kids. Take a souvenir in your famous firm and stuff. What's wrong with you? And she said, I know what's wrong with me. I know exactly what I have to do. But I've always made the decision to be special rather than happy. Boom. Yeah, but that was like a knife to the heart for me. Yeah. Because, you know, I did that for years. You know, I, I worked that 14th hour instead of going home for the first hour with my kids. And you know what they did? They grew up. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't wait for me is Definitely. the problem. I think now fam family's got a lot to do with it. Mistake again. That's why loneliness is, is so sad. We're going to, I really do think we should have like couch, couches when you come on. Yeah. 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 Because uh, I felt like leaning back uh, a couple of times. No, this is like a Cat Stevens song at the end. Well, for happiness, I have two words. Well, that's true. Two yeah. words for yeah, happiness. Tell me your two rules. Two words. Two words. Two words. Taco Bell. There you go. Okay. I got five words. Happiness is love, full stop. Yep, yes. that's right. Love, love is the answer to everything. Why we're here, what's worth living for, what's worth dying right, for, right. what is God, what is... But there's, there's love some is the external answer. validation in love. Yeah. That's the conundrum. I love you, and I love you, and God, I love you. I know, I love we're you, too. We're happier just having you here, Arthur. Thank you. His Thank new you. book, uh, Build the Life You Want, The Art and Science of Getting Happier, co-authored with Oprah Winfrey. And it's selling a lot, so that's another reason he's happy. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. That's the podcast for today and for the week. Thank you for tuning in. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. You can catch them live if you tune in to CNBC on weekday mornings starting at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from that TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here on Monday. And in the meantime, have a great weekend. We are clear. Thanks, guys. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis, 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix.